The following is a hoop ball presentation. What up, Grizz Nation? You're tuned in to the Hoop Ball Grizz Podcast. Isaac Simpson with you, and you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. I S A A C underscore rivals with me. My partner in crime. You can find him on Twitter at Dwill2111. It's my man, David Williams. David, how you doing today, sir? And I am good. A lot of a uh, lot of buzz going around right now. Um, trade talks and just I, I was ready to do this episode anyway. We're getting closer. We are less than seven days away from the draft, and uh, I, I can't wait. And today has just been—it's even added to that fuel, man, because of, of the discussions here that we're we're going to get into. Yeah, definitely, man. For four days out, man. I mean, we've been talking about these prospects, man, doing a podcast. I mean, it's been a lot of fun breaking these guys down and talking about it, man. We're almost here, but Trey Wins is swirling, David. I mean, uh, Jake Fisher, a uh, uh, Bleacher Report, and I know a lot of people kind of scoff when, when you bring up Bleacher Report, but this is one of their major reporters, man. I think he has like 18-plus thousand followers on Twitter, so this is not one of those kind of fan-type, fan-sided-type, trade things. I mean, this is this is a real report. Um, and, and Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report says today the Pelicans have generated traction with the Grizzlies in a deal that would send a 10th pick and Eric Bledsoe to Memphis for the Grizzlies' 17th pick. Um, and, I mean, that, that that excites me. I mean, I think if, if you're the Grizzlies, getting up to 10, I think you, you look at the Grizzlies sitting at 17, I think getting up to 10 kind of puts you in, in, a, in a different tier of player. And when you yeah. look at the timeline with John Jaron, you basically get a top 10 pick and another guy to kind of grow along with what you think are your two cornerstone pieces. I think if they can do that without giving up too much, and in, in this scenario, they're not even giving up any future draft capital. Uh, if you can get up to 10 by just absorbing Eric Blesso's contract, now it's a massive contract for this year, but the thing about it is it's only for 22-23, it's only guaranteed for $3.9 million. So you're, you're really taking on that contract for one year. And mm-hmm. I think, and and, I, and if, if they do make this move, make make no mistake about it, it's not about Eric Bledsoe. They're not going out trying to get a $18 million backup point guard, but it, it's about getting that 10th pick. But I think, and I, I, w- I would hope this wouldn't turn into an Iggy-type situation. I would hope if they do make this move, Eric Bledsoe does show up, uh, report to camp, and they have him in uniform because I think for a year at least, he's a upgraded backup point guard over time. Oh, yeah. in, in a, in a and landslide. I know it. And I've been having conversations with people all day on Twitter. And it's people telling me that, that Tyus is a better player than Eric Bledsoe. And it's no disrespect to Tyus at all. I mean, yeah. I, I like Tyus a great bit, but Eric Bledsoe is bigger, uh, stronger. He's longer. He, he brings more position flex. So even though they're both only 6'1", Eric Bledsoe's really strong, like 215 pounds, 220. Uh, so he, he, you can steal some minutes with him. At the shooting guard, I think he has like a 6'8 wingspan. Uh, I mean, it's just an upgrade. I mean, it's just no question about it. I love Tyus, but Tyus is a smaller guard. And when his shot's not falling, uh, I mean, he. he I, mean, I mean, you can look at it. And I know a lot of people would probably say he's a better passer, better better at running the offense. But just overall, yeah. what, what Bledsoe brings to the table would definitely be an upgrade there. So if they do make this trade, it's about that 10 pick. But I would hope that they would have Bledsoe in uniform. And, and it also gives you options because you could then take Tyus and possibly package him maybe with the 51, 51st pick or Grayson mm-hmm. Allen and try to move back in the first round and pick up another pick. And then you're really rolling in, man. You can bring in two young players to fit with the score, and it kind of consolidates uh, a little bit. So that's what we've been talking about a lot lately, and that kind of helps in that yeah. way too. 
for sure. The, this is my thing. The, the argument for Tyus being the, the better player, all the points that you made were great. Tyus is a better floor general. But that that is that's literally where it stops. That that's it. Eric Bledsoe is a former All Defensive Player, yeah, two times. Yeah, you know, like so the, he he's not a slouch. Did he have a bad year in New Orleans last year? Yeah, sure he did. The fit there was questionable at best. Anyway, it just didn't yeah did not I, work out. Yeah. You know, they're they're. I can understand some concerns with Bledsoe. You know, the the thing in Phoenix, he wanted out of Phoenix and. So, you know, you question, well, is he going to be trouble in the locker room? Is he going to cause issues there? You didn't hear about any of that in New Orleans. I don't think that that's going to be an issue moving forward. It's 100% an upgrade over Tyus Jones. And on top of that, he can play the two. He's he's a little undersized, but he's capable of playing the two. And, you know, when, when you get down to it and you're running a uh, seven, eight, maybe like at a max nine man rotation when it comes to closing the season or playoffs, he's a guy that you can play alongside Ja Morant and, he, and, and he's going to be fine with or without the ball. He can play with or without the ball. You know, the, the size is really the only thing that's kind of, to me, a downfall. You know, at six one, he's not a big guy. But he plays big on the defensive end. Yeah. And, and that's – we've talked about it on here before. I, I've talked about it with multiple people on Twitter. You have to have a guard that is a good defender next to Ja Morant right now because Ja has not proven that he can be at, on a consistent basis uh, uh, an above-average defender. So you can't hide. You cannot have two guards out there that cannot play defense. It's not going to end well for you. The other teams know – and so they're they're going to attack your weak spots, but you know, getting up to ten is, is huge. But I think we've talked about uh, a playing veteran. This is a guy Eric Bledsoe's been in the league for a while. He's had some su- um, success. He has not been good in the playoffs. He was not good in the playoffs. He basically disappeared for the Bucks, and that's why they went. You know, that's why they moved him. They went after Drew Holiday. It paid off for him. Worked out well, but. He does have that experience, and so I, I am all about this trade. I feel like it's a win-win for the Grizzlies. You get up into a higher level of talent at the 10 pick. You know, we, we were talking a little bit before we got on here, but the, the, these are some names, and, and I've got a few different draft boards up here. But at, at 10, 10 and after, you're talking Josh Giddy, Moses Moody, which M- Moody is probably your target there. Yeah, Moody is, I, I would you know, think so. But yeah. Josh Giddy, Moses Moody, Keon Johnson, Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson. That You know, these guys, um, there, there's one side here that James Boknight's available at 10. Dude, I would – lose my damn mind <laughs> if you guys have listened to any of our draft shows you know how i feel about james Knight. but you know you there, there's just a, a separation there between the, the top 10 guys and then you have a little bit of a fall off and even wagner franz wagner he's not a guy that i'm a fan of i know that you have kind of uh warmed up to him yeah, a little bit lately just a little bit yeah but um you know he he's still not a guy that i'm a huge fan of but i can understand why they would be looking at him because of his ability on the defensive end and as a secondary playmaker, you know, there's plenty of arguments to be made as to why you would take him at 10. So, you know, it's, it's tough because if you, if you're making this trade first, you've got to wait. So it can't be like official. Yeah. Until yeah it had to be after, after the draft. draft. 
because you have to win so, some stuff, and most people suspect it'll be either you opt out of Winslow, which none of that can happen until after the draft, and it will be right. whoever who uh, the Pelicans would take whoever the Grizzlies want them to take at 10, and Grizzlies mm-hmm. would take whoever the Pelicans want at 17, and you have to deal with all that. So it would be after the draft, but they just agree to the framework basically if it happens, and, that, and that's kind of kind of how that works. And I think that's what we're looking at. I think the Grizzlies would probably – not opt into Winslow, which all this time you kind of been thinking that that was going to happen, but you just never know what opportunities are going to afford yourself. Um, and, and when I mentioned at the top of the top of the show about Bleacher Report, uh, what, what kind of gives us more fuel is Woj tweeted out. He didn't mention the Grizzlies specifically, but he kind of mentioned that the Pelicans were trying to use Bledsoe in that 10th pick and possibly move down in the draft to get out off their contract. So that kind of adds some more fuel to this being legit. Uh, and, and so a couple different NBA sites have picked it up. So it, it's interesting, man. Um, and, and it's going to make this thing fun. But I'm all in on this. I think this would be a fantastic move for the Grizzlies because, I mean, it's basically you're not losing anything. I mean, for I see some of the fans that are same fans that want them to get rid of Renslow don't like this deal. But you're basically what you would be doing is absorbing Bledsoe's contract for next year into mm-hmm. Winslow's contract, plus a little bit more. I expect the Grizzlies to probably send another player out. It could be Grayson. It could be Tyus Jones. Who who yeah. knows what? I think there'll be one player, but you would have been basically playing Winslow, which you're playing Bledsoe anyway. So the Grizzlies mm-hmm. aren't really losing anything here. Um, I mean, this is just a, a way of to kind of use that cap space for a year um, instead of which in, in a weak free agent class. I don't think they were going to go out and make a big-time move anyway. It's like borrowing their cap space for a year, allowing you to move up in the draft, and then next year, again, only 3.9 guaranteed, you'd be right back basically where your cap space was for 22. So, I mean, this is really a win-win for the Grizzlies. They're not really losing anything here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, another uh, ESPN guy, Jonathan Giovanni, um, you know, he's a a draft expert for uh, ESPN, but he's another guy that's mentioned this. So there's a number of different guys that are credible sources that have mentioned this. So, you know, you you always, there tends to be a lot of um, like fan base talking amongst fans of, you know, who's this or who's that or whatever. But, you know, these, like you said, Woj didn't mention the Grizzlies specifically, but he did talk about the Pelicans and them shopping that pick. And and there's a a number of different guys that have said something about it. So I think that it is a fairly credible, you know, like this is something that actually has traction. This is not just smoke and mirrors. My question to you would be this. If you're the Grizzlies, you're negotiating this deal with the Pelicans. Is it hinging on one player? Does it have to be yeah. Moses Moody has to be available at 10 or we're not making this trade? That's the guy that a lot of people are speculating they want to target with the 10th pick is Moses Moody. But, you know, you look at look around at mock drafts, um, there's one that has Moses Moody going number seven to Golden State. Yeah, so there, here's it, some, there's know, some smoke there for sure. If If Moses Moody is off the board – do the Grizzlies walk away from this trade? Uh, if, for me, I wouldn't because I think there's several guys that, in, in that position that I'd be interested in. You talk about, will James Boknight be on the board there? You know how much I love Josh Giddy. Um, I mean, you like Jalen Johnson. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of guys. Franz Wagner is a guy that I'm, I'm at the point now where I think I would take him there, and that's crazy because I was all the way off of him early in the process, and anybody that listens to our podcast, 
here know that we we weren't a fan of his, but so many people liked him. I'm like, what are they seeing with this guy? And so I just kept watching him, and I see this defensive potential at that size, man. I, I kind of see the vision. So he's another guy that I would be interested in, and he's the type of player that you think the Grizzlies would like with, with that size and play playmaking ability and ability to shoot the basketball and trying to get bigger on the wing. I, I can see him being a guy that climbing in his front office would like. So there are several guys. Now, Moody would be optimal. I mean, I think he's at the top of your list. Now, we're not talking about anything crazy like the Grizzlies moving into the top five, six. But once you get below that tier, I think Moody would probably be at, at the top of your list. Now, Boat Knight would probably be at the top of yours, I got a feeling. But either, oh, one, of those, either one of those guys would be fantastic. I mean, you just talk about with Boat Knight, that the microwave-type score off the bench that the team need a guy to just come in as just a bucket. And, I mean, that's James Boat Knight to a T. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the three-point shoot numbers. They weren't good, but that doesn't bother me. I think he'll be a, a good three-point shooter. That's fine. He's a good free-throw shooter. I don't have any problems. With that, I just I think it's, he has more potential. I think it was like thirty-one or twenty-nine percent something, but I, I think it's he had the ball in his hand so much, and he yeah. would end up having to take a lot of shots at the end of shot clock. I mean, he was the guy that the defense keyed on, so I think I think he'll Quality be fine of works, there, man. Yeah, Quality I of think works makes all I, the difference. Yeah, I definitely think he'll be fine there. So either one of those guys, man, if you could get any of those guys that I just named, man, I'd be be fantastic. And again, it just gives you another level of guy, and I think these guys are guys that you could foreseeably put next to Jai and Jared, who are your cornerstones, and, and build something going in the future. Maybe you have your big three because uh, you need another guy on the wing. And again, any of these guys that we just named could end up being that level of player, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, the, this is way, way like complete long shot. You know, there's talks of Jonathan Kuminga falling. You know, if, if Kuminga falls to 10... Dude, that that is, you know, are are you taking Kaminga over Moody? I know Moody, like between Moody and Boke Knight, you know, Moody is yours. It, like that's your choice, and I understand it. There's argument arguments to be made either way, but if you get there, if you get to ten and you have Moody and Kaminga on the board, which again, it, it's a complete long shot. There's just been kind of rumblings that you know some people are souring on Kaminga. They're worrying about his ability to score at the next level. Um, where where are you at with that? If if Kamingo falls to ten, is he above everybody else for you? Yeah, if Kamingo's there at ten, I, I'm I'm going with Kamingo. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I don't agree with the kind of their assessment of, of him and scoring wise. I think he. I mean, you you just look at the guys in this draft, and he could. I, I think his his talent level, his upside is so immense that if you looked up four or five years down the line, and he was the best player out of this draft, that wouldn't totally surprise me. Now, I don't necessarily expect that but i think he has that type of upside and i think getting him at 10 would just be ski mask like i think you it'd be absolute robbery to better get him there at 10 because i would have never dreamed that the Grizz would have opportunity to be in position to draft him so if he's there i'm going him but i think moody is at the top there but again they both night love to have him uh i mean you just giddy just yeah the, giddy. The, i mean you know i love him there's guys there that mm-hmm. that i think really makes this trade worthwhile even if it's not moody yeah, I and it, it's crazy to me. I feel like Kuminga is getting it held against him that he played against grown men, right? You know, he, yeah, he fit, absolutely. Fit fifteen point seven rebounds, just under three assists. You know, is a, a turnovers maybe a little bit high at two, you know, two point six turnovers per game, but he he's playing in the G League, and we've talked about the the separation of talent 
between NCAA Division One and the G League. There, there's definitely a talent gap there, and I just I don't get it. The, every every bit of film, every bit of research. I didn't honestly dive into Camilla as much as I have some of these other guys because I didn't expect him to even be in play for the Grizzlies. I, I'm thinking, you know, he's a top five, maybe six type player, but there there's just been rumblings that maybe, maybe he falls, you know, some people are souring on him. That's, you know, it's a dream, right? That's more than likely not going to happen. I don't really see him falling that far, but, you know, j- just throwing that in there, there are a number of different guys that could be there at 10 that would be a good fit for the Grizzlies. Uh, Jalen Johnson is a guy that we haven't really, we ha- we haven't really talked about him a ton. But you know his, his playmaking ability and his size, I don't even hate him at ten, man. It, you know if something happens no. and Moody is off the board, Jalen Johnson is another guy that they could draft, and I think that he could come in and, and make an impact almost immediately. So, you know, th- there's at least four or five guys that for the Grizzlies make this trade a win-win for them. Yeah, and with Jalen Johnson, I'm the more I watched the video, the more I liked. I was kind of didn't like the the, kid, the way he kind of left the team in the middle of the year, but I I talked with him in the media availability that they had for for some of the prospects so that's continuing tomorrow. Um, and I like what he had to say. Um, and I, I believed him. He kind of talked about how he hates this perceived worry about his attitude, red flags, whether he really cares about the game, and he said he hates that because. It's not him at all. Um, I mean, he said that he loved his time at Duke, really appreciated uh, what, what what Coach K did for him and the time that he was there. And he said that he just hates that narrative is out there because anybody knows him knows that his that's not his character. He's not a quitter and that he's coming in 100% coachable and ready to do whatever the team that drafts him needs him to do to help win. And, I mean, I believe it was genuine. And watching this film, man, I'm higher on him than I was. And I think – him at that size, I mean, I think it's tremendous potential there point forward, the way he can play guard multiple positions. So I like him as well, and I wouldn't be mad at him at 10 because I'm really a lot higher on him than I was probably a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the media interviews, and he's had uh, a few, you know, we had, we had the, the media availability. I unfortunately was not able to make it to that. I'm glad Isaac got in on that. But, you know, he, he said he, he took that time off to get ready, Yeah, and he, he put in the work. And, you know, obviously he's not going to say anything, but yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I, I quit on my team that, that you're not going to say that, you you know, that he's not going to say that, but he seems sincere when he said, you know, like, that's not my mentality. That's not new. That's not who I am. When you go back and and you watch and you listen, you know, I, I always say you can read a person to a certain extent. And, and, you know, if somebody's trying to just throw smoke up, I think a lot of times it's easy to see through it. And I don't feel like that's the case yeah. with him. He see, yeah, he definitely definitely seems genuine. I didn't believe he was just just saying something. It seemed seemed real. Uh, and, and again, I mean, he's a, extremely talented. And again, I think he's dropping it. If it wasn't for that situation, if he had played the whole season, I think I don't even think he'd be in that range. He'd probably be talking five, six, seven, eight pick for him. I don't even think he'd be talking about. It. There's some box they have him in the mid, like 15, 16 now. Um, yeah. And and I think that's simply because of how that situation went down. Even even in high school, he transferred a couple of times and had to sit out part of his senior year. So it's not a lot of, a lot of tape on him, but if the time that you've seen him, I, I see some things I think that could really, really translate. And then you could end up getting a, a steal, a player that should probably be top five, top six. You might get him 10 through 15. And I mean, so you could end up 
getting a lot of bang for your buck there. So he's definitely a guy that I that I have in consideration. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. So I I think we we originally were going to talk about our top three guys that we like for the Grizzlies at seventeen, and I feel like we're going to go ahead and do that right now just because you know there's a lot of talks. We don't have any guarantees on this tenth pick thing. But th- th- there's plenty of guys that I want to talk about, and we have we've talked about all of these prospects before. But as we're getting closer to the draft, we want to bring them back up. We want to talk to you guys about them, and, and just kind of refresh uh, some of these guys. We talked about them early, some of them a little bit later. But for me, my top guys for the Grizzlies at 17 has changed, man. From the first episode that we recorded for draft coverage, it, it's changed a ton since then, and so. You know, let's talk about it, man. If the Grizzlies don't make this trade, if they're on the board at 17, who are your top three guys, Isaac? Oh, well, first, I want to preface this and make sure our our listeners understand. These are guys that we think have a realistic shot of being there at 17. Because I know as soon as we say these guys, they're going to be like, what about Jalen Green? He's not your top guy. We're not talking top five, top 10, top 12 guys. We're talking guys that we think will realistically be there if the Grizzlies do stay at 17. So I want to want to preface that because I've had people on Twitter like, man, you want everybody. And I'm like, there are different tiers of guys. Like when yeah, I talk man. about about Moody, that, that's not a guy that I think is going to be there at 17. That's like my dream pick. Like if they move up, which there's some rumors that they could do that now. And then I'll say I like Dorte. And they're like, oh, well, I thought you like Moody. I, I don't have those guys in the same tier. And they'll even yeah. bring up some of the second round guys I mentioned. I'm like, those are guys that I like at 51 or if the Grizzlies move into the late first, early second. So that's that's kind of I wanted to preface with that so they'd understand. But uh, yeah, the, the guys, go, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I want to get one thing in here real quick, kind of along the same lines that you were talking about. The way that I, so I have guys that I like. Obviously, you know, like Cade and Green and Mobley, like these top five guys, we like them. We know that they are better prospects. But the way that I narrow this down, I love James Bognight. He's been number one for me. He'd be you know, whether the Grizzlies are 10 or 17, I would love to see them get him. So he's still top of the list for me. But the way that I've done this, the way I prepared for this episode is I looked through a number of different mock drafts. And if there was not a single mock draft that had a guy that I liked falling to 17 or later, he's not on my list. So there's guys that I've mentioned before that I'm not going to talk about in this because they just were not on a mock draft anywhere past 17. And, you know, to me, we don't need to talk about Moses Moody at 17 because Moses Moody is not going to be there at 17. 17. No, we don't need to talk about James Volknight at 17 because he's not going to be there at 17. These are simply guys that we like if the Grizzlies don't move. And these are guys that we have seen in multiple different places that are going to be available around the 17th pick. So now I'll let you go with your three guys, man. Yeah, well, I think if anybody listens to our podcast here or follows me on Twitter, they they know who my my top guy is at seventeen, and I'm hear that pounding pound the table uh, for <laughs> for my guy, man. It, it's it's Chris Duarte, man, 6'6", 190 pounds, senior shooting guard out of out of Oregon. Um, we had uh, draft analyst Mike Weisenberg here on our last podcast. He's an Oregon alum and and lives in Portland, so he's not biased, right? Uh, but None. he kind of agree he kind of agrees with me we in my assessment of. Of Chris Darte, but uh, I mean, you you and you when you bring him up, people talk about him being 24. But what I say about that, you know what he's been 24. You know what that means? He's a grown ass man. I mean, he's coming mm-hmm. in, he's ready ready to compete. He's not a guy that you're gonna have to send down to South Haven. He's a 
plug and play guy. And, and when and, and again, when I bring him up, people are like, well, what about upside? You if you, you who needs upside when you're already good? I think you you talk about upside, and when you get outside the lottery, a lot of times and go back and look, most of these guys don't reach that upside. And if you can get a guy that's that that's already really good, um, I don't think you need that upside. And I think. I mean, other people might not be as sure as I am, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm about 99% sure this guy's going to come in and be able to contribute day one. And I feel like at 17, if you're not out, you're outside the lottery. If you can get a guy that you know is going to be a pretty good player, I think, I think that's a good, good bet. And give me that guy. And that's kind of the way that I view it. And that's why I like him so much. But uh, as far as his game, at 17.1 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.7 assists, two steals, almost a block a game. Uh, 42% from three, uh, 80, 81% for the free throw line, 63% from two, 53% field goal. So, I mean, just extremely efficient score. Uh, just doesn't really have a weakness. I mean, a guy that almost a block a game at 6'6 from your shooting guard position. Talk about adding size on the wing, man. He definitely, definitely brings that. Um, and he just takes the guesswork out of it for me at, at 17. Um, and so I just think that's something. I mean, if you can get him there, I, I just think that's, Fantastic, but again, big guard at six six, uh, does a fantastic job of moving out the basketball, uh, and finds his spots, which is you know I love. I love guys that can 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 move around and find their own shot. Plays extremely hard. I mean, if you watch him, watch any of his games, he always seems to be extremely locked in. Yeah, and he's intense, uh, high intense all the time. Um, he's a gamer, um, as they say. Seems to always love to love to mix it up. Love to to try to guard the the opposing team's best player. I mean, just a three level scorer. Elite three-point shooter, good rebounder. Uh, and I mean, just I think a guy that's again just not gonna need a lot of grooming coming in. Um, and you look at this roster. I, I know you don't have a lot of room for a rookie, but I mean he's not a guy you're gonna send down to South Haven. But I do think some way, somehow, before the season starts, I think there's gonna be some consolidation uh on the wings on this roster. And I think he's a guy that can slide right in again off the bench and, and play some minutes for this team. Uh, I mean, you yeah. want me? You want me to go ahead and go with all three guys, or? Uh, yeah, we we can. I just want to mention something real quick. We were talking about uh, you. You mentioned upside, and so I'm going to go back to the 2009 draft. I'm not going to even mention who the Grizzlies drafted. If you don't know who they drafted, <laughs> go. You can go and search for it. I'm not going to mention his name, but I, I do want to talk about three players that went four, five, six: Tyreek Evans, Ricky Rubio, and Johnny Flynn. Right. Tyreek Evans had a decent NBA career. Right. Yeah. He, he was a serviceable NBA player. Um, he, even I would say at many points in his career, you would say that he was a good NBA player. Yeah, sure. Ricky Rubio. A, to me, yeah. Ricky Rubio has that's that's a fine fifth pick for the, the career that he's had in the NBA. I'm fine with Ricky Rubio there. Johnny Flynn. He did not last in the NBA. All three of these guys were taken ahead of Steph Curry. So, you know, somebody in the draft process, somebody in that room for Sacramento and Minnesota, they were like, these guys we think are going to pan out and be better than Steph Curry. And we all know how that worked out. We know like Steph Curry is the best player in this draft, one of the best players to play the game. And so you, you miss like front offices miss. You cannot bank on an upside is good. But the reality is upside does not always pan out. And, you know, sometimes you, you take a shot with your 
first round pick and, and you yeah. just you just miss on it, man. And so a guy like Duarte is definitely a safe pick, and he fills a lot of the needs that the Grizzlies have. The the competitiveness, that's something that Derek Murray that came on from basketball news, he said people don't understand how much this kid wants to win. He wants to win. And that is something going out there and playing the game is good, but there's a difference between like when you're in the game wanting to win and then like no matter what's going on all the time, winning is what you want to do. Like there, there's levels of it. And from what I've understood, the, the people that we've talked about, Duarte is a guy that he is willing to do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, you can kind of maybe toss that out there for a lot of different people, but it's not the same. You know, there, there's 100% levels to that. And so that that's something I – he is not in my top three, um, but I understand why he's in your top three, and I would not be disappointed if the Grizzlies don't move up and they take him there. Yeah, I mean, and, and what you talk about that point, I mean, when you watch him, it's very similar to Dylan, to Dylan Brooks. Um, and people have kind of criticized Dylan Brooks over, over time. And, I mean, you can go back to, to early in his career. You can talk about that and, 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 and some stuff that, that went on there. But I've always – I've never criticized him as much as others because I think – I don't think it's necessarily he was trying to be selfish. I feel like he was doing it all in the vein of trying to win. He felt like this team – and he was one of the only guys on this team that could could score, and he felt like they needed him to take those shots. And I think sometimes he might get a little overzealous and feel like, man, I got to take these shots, and he ends up taking bad shots. But I mean, he's been better at that, especially this last year. And that and that's why I never really kind of criticized him for that because I always felt like he was in a vein of, man, I, I want this team to win, and I feel like at times I'm got to put up put them on our back scoring wise and, and take some shots that I don't think anybody else on this team can make. And I think that's kind of what you see there. So that competitiveness is definitely not something to me. There's different levels to it, like you said. Some guys you could say that about, but I think with Duarte and guys like Dylan Brooks, there's competitive level is different with those guys. I mean, you could even say that with Ja. I mean, there's a – you can just see when, when you watch Duarte play uh, just a, a different level of intensity that you don't see with a lot of guys. So that is one of – definitely one of the attributes about him that I like the most. And, man, I, and I get it, man. I know he's 24 years old. I know that a lot of people – want these young guys 18 years old that you kind of mold and feel like they could possibly turn into a superstar. Uh, but if, if, I mean, you could catch lighting with a ball, like you said, and a guy that could turn into a superstar, you don't feel like Duarte has that ceiling. But again, when, when you get, especially into picks like middle of the draft, like 17, man, if you can get a guy like Duarte again, that I think plug and play, I think that's a, not a bad move at all there. And that's, that's again, that's why he's at the top of my board. Second guy, um, again, talk about size on the wing. This team needs Trey Murphy the third, uh, six nine, two hundred six pounds, seven foot wingspan, junior wing, um, out of the University of Virginia. Uh, when you look at his numbers, the numbers don't stand out to you uh, on the surface. Eleven point three points, three point four rebounds, one point two assists, uh, about a steal a game. Forty three point three percent from three on five attempts, fifty two one hundred twenty overall, ninety two point seven percent from the free throw line, and sixty two percent from two. Um, again, the numbers on the surface don't jump out at you, but I've so I've said before, uh, you have to. I kind of evaluate these Virginia guys differently. Uh, the system that they run isn't designed for individual accolades. It's it's extremely team oriented concept. So, we, we, but when you look at these the, the offensive numbers, the the numbers don't eleven point three points don't jump out at you, but forty three point three percent from three on five attempts per game, ninety three percent from the free throw line, and sixty two percent from two. Those numbers stand out to me extremely 
efficient offensively. And again, 6'9", a guy that can play three, the two, three, and four, uh, can guard to guard all three of those positions. He's not a guy that I think if the drawback for him is he's not a guy that can really create his own shot. I mean, I think that might be something that he can improve upon when he gets to the NBA because he's not the most explosive guy. But if you kind of watch some of those draft videos, I mean, he is a better athlete. It looks like the eye test wise than you kind of saw at Virginia. I think Virginia is a, a school that kind of holds you back a little bit. Some of the things I think if he had went to another school, I think we'd be talking about a guy that, that could possibly be going in the lottery. But I think playing at Virginia, I think that kind of hides some of your potential uh, at, at times because, again, it's so team-oriented. But I, I think this is a guy that has another level that, that we haven't seen yet in that size. I mean, 6'9", 206, um, in a seven-foot wingspan for, for this team. I mean, I think he's exactly what this team needs on the wing. I mean, they got to get bigger. We saw that exploited in the series against Utah. Um, and I think he's a guy that could go a long ways in to kind of fixing that. Because, I mean, you just don't see a, a lot of guys 6'9 that can, that can play the two um, in, in the NBA. And I think he's a guy that can really do that, really good catch-and-shoot basketball player, just elite three-point shooter. And we know this team needs more shooting. And we talk about shooting along with size, and he brings both of those things. So I love the fit uh, of him with the Grizzlies. Yeah, he's actually a guy. He's number two on my list as well. Uh, you know, he 42% on catch-and-shoot threes. His his motion just quick, smooth, straight to the point. There's not a lot of wasted movement in it. Um, and, and defensively, you said he could guard two through four. I'd venture to say that he could guard one through four with no problems, yeah. man. Yeah, he probably could you know, guard his, one. His, You're right. his footwork is really, really good. He's a really good on-ball defender. And when you watch film on him, something that Dylan Brooks prides himself on is getting skinny whenever it comes to screens. Yeah. And Trey Murphy does that at an elite level, man. He, he can get through screens really, really well. Um, and, and man, at six nine, the, the big wings fan, that is just screaming all defensive player, man. It, I, I really like this kid. He, like I said, he, he's number two on the list for me. Um, he even, you know, you, you talked about his ability to create his own shot in the half court. He, he was finishing sixty six percent at the rim because he uses that length to his advantage. He uses yeah. that length to, you know, ward off defenders and be able to still finish. Um, you know. He only took 12 shots off of the dribble last year, but I I don't think that's indicative of what he's capable no, of. No, I, I definitely think right, he like, has upside there. Yeah, I think that he is uh that that's not gonna be like the number one part of his game. You know, you know, creating his own shot is not gonna be a, the the a strong point of his game, but I think that he'll be able to do it at a level that he'll still he'll be able to do it at a high enough level that he's going to be effective at the next level. So that, that way he's definitely a guy, you know, to, talking about size on the wing, man, I, I versatility, the the way this league is going to, you know, like a, a positionless basketball playing him as, you know, a, a small ball four, man, it, it would just be, I think a, a defensive lineup. I, I picture, you know, Jaws not a great defender, but you, you could have Trey Murphy, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson and, and and Kyle Anderson, depending on what happens with him, you know, you, you could have those five guys all on the floor at the same time, and literally man. four <laughs> out of five of those guys, can, tough, can, you know, they they can guard whoever they're on. It doesn't matter yeah. if a switch happens. And he he is, he was not a guy that was near the top of my list to to begin when we started getting into this. And, and the more I watch him, the more I've studied him. 
he he's definitely someone and you see his name kind of further down in the draft but I, i've said this before and i'll say it a million times i don't care what number you're drafting at if it's your guy if he's there and you feel that good about him take him it does so yeah he is 20 20 they got him 20 going to the hawks on tankathon um yeah i've seen bas- all basketball over news has got him right around that range 21 to the knicks so yeah oh well maybe it's a little bit early maybe you're reaching man it, it's four picks and the the talent difference between pick 17 and probably pick 35 in this draft you can make an argument for any of those guys. Is Trey Murphy going to be more effective than Bones Highland or Cam Thomas? You know, like, I I don't know. I can't tell you that for sure. But you don't have an argument to tell me 100% for sure that, that Bones Highland is going to be more effective than Trey. So that that's a, a very interesting name whenever it comes to 17. If the Grizzlies don't end up moving up, I would love to see them take a chance on him. But, you know, at the end of the day, I really feel like Duarte would be the guy that they target at 17 because he kind of fits the profile of what the Grizzlies target. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen that M.O. Uh, from them when you, you talk about uh, Brandon Clark or Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman are taking these upperclassmen, older guys that are ready to come in and step up. So that would definitely definitely make a lot of sense. Now, we've also talked about this could be the year where they take a swing. Uh, so, so who knows? But if they did take Duarte there, if they did stay at 17, Definitely wouldn't surprise me at all. But to go back to Trey Murphy uh, was a guy when we early on, we first started talking about this was a guy that you mostly saw early second round in box. But I've talked to a lot of draft guys who say that a lot of teams like him. I um, mean, they, they expect him probably not to make it past 20 now. Um, and, and I think I don't know if that was the ESPN mock. I saw today he had the Grizzlies taking him 17. It might have been the ESPN mock, mock but I've seen him saw one mock at him at like 13. So he's really risen. I mean, he's been a workout wonder. And, and then people talk about him not being explosive. But if you watch, I know this is gets no defense, but I, I watched some of those workouts at, at the combine. I mean, it's that guy, he can get off the deck. I mean, you saw some, oh, of, the, yeah. some of the dunks that he was doing. People talk about not athletic, man. I I don't know. I just, again, I just think that offense and Tony Bennett, that, that offense just holds you down so much. I mean, you look at their team, big Sam Hauser was their number one scorer. And I think he's like 14 points a game. I mean, you just, you're not going to have these big gaudy numbers at Virginia, because again, that offense is just so team oriented. You're not going to have one guy average 20 points a game. If you average 12, like Trey Murphy at Virginia, that probably means you order you to average 20, 21 some, at some other school. I mean, I just think that's kind of how that offense holds you down, and that's the reason why I think he probably has some things in his game that might, you know, you get to get get, get to the NBA and he's a little better at than you think he was just because of watching him playing that offense. Uh, and I, I think. If he had went to another school, I think we'd be talking about a guy that's going higher in the draft. But my third guy, um, and, and I don't know if the Grizzlies are really looking at bigs. We kind of see some of the names that they, they worked out. Um, and I and I asked this this prospect um, during the media availability the other day, had he been had he worked out for the Grizzlies? Heard from the Grizzlies? He said he has it. Uh, but this guy is Kai Jones, 6'11", 221 pounds, seven uh, one wingspan, uh, uh, out of out of Texas. Uh, 8.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, a block a game, 69% from the free throw line, 38% from three. Now, only took 34 threes on the season, but uh, for a guy his size, I mean, 13 of 34, small sample size, but it's, I mean, he took 34 of them and 38%. So I think there is some potential there, shooting upside, but he's super long and above the rim, really good at open court. 
uh, has has really good handles for a big. Um, he's mm -hmm. got his own ability to take his man off the dribble, good shot blocker. And we just saw JV get ate up in the pick and roll um, against Gobert uh, in the playoffs against Utah. And Kai Jones is a player that can absolutely fix that. I mean, he really excels in the pick and roll. I mean, he can get out and, and, and guard smaller players, get back into this recovery is one thing. On defense is one thing that I really like about him. Um, he does need to get stronger uh, at 221 pounds, but I think he kind of has the frame to to kind of fill out a little bit more. But he's a player that I think has tremendous upside on both ends. And, again, I love those three-point shooting numbers despite the fact that he only shot 34. I think he's a guy that can that can improve upon that and be a guy that's a capable three-point shooter in the NBA. Yeah, so you and I had two out of three the same. I've, I've got one different. Kai Jones is, is my number one. And uh, for a lot of the reasons you just talked about, one thing that I, he, he hasn't been playing the game very long. He's only been playing for about five years. Um, so, you know, he, he's still extremely raw. There's there's a lot of untapped potential. And, man, Taylor Jenkins and this coaching staff has done a, a great job at getting guys to, you know, up their game. D Dylan Brooks is a guy, you know, like – he wasn't the most efficient player this year, but he was significantly more efficient this year than what he was in previous years. Kyle Anderson, yeah, he, he was coming off the injury, and some people give a lot of credit to that. But I, I think the confidence comes from this coaching staff and telling him, hey, take those shots. When you're open, when they leave you open, take those shots. And Kyle Anderson had a career year. JV is another guy. Career year. This coaching staff has – proven time and time again that they can get a lot out of these guys and so that's why you know kai jones was he was one for me there was only i want to say one or two places where they had him slip into 17 but that was enough for me that's what i was looking for i was praying that i would find somewhere <laughs> that had him fallen because i wanted to talk about him and that is I, I'm still I've, – I've said it time and time again. I'm not convinced that Jaron is ever really going to play the five effectively. Um, I, I feel like, Kai Jones, if you come in and that's what you're – you know, hey, th this is what we want you to be, I think that he can do that. I feel like he's got the tools. Obviously, at his size, he's going to have to bulk up. He's going to have to put on some weight. But go back and look at guys. You know, Giannis is a great example, and I'm not – Please do not take this as I'm comparing they, Kai people Jones. People will, man. People think I'm, they'll take things yeah. to run with it for sure. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that Kai Jones is Giannis, but if you go back and you look at Giannis's size the year that he was drafted as to what he is now, these NBA weight training programs can put muscle on people. And you add, you know, you add 15, 20 pounds of muscle to Kai Jones and he maintains his athleticism. There's not going to be many guys in this league. I, I don't know that there'd be anybody that he couldn't guard. And he's still pretty raw of a prospect, only playing the game for five years. Yeah, I mean, he said his media availability was something that kind of surprised me. He said that he expects to play some three uh, in, in the NBA. So, like you said, I mean, he's a guy that brings tremendous position flex. I mean, I think he can guard three, four, five. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. good his feet is and how, how, how good he can move at, at 6'11". Um, and, and to your point, um, I remember – back in one of the, the pregame media availabilities in the playoffs uh, with, with the Grizz and Jazz, I asked Quinn Snyder about their relationship because he Taylor Jenkins coached under him in the G League, and I asked him about that kind of relationship. And the first thing that he said, and he recognized really early on with Taylor Jenkins that, that he was special 
in getting the most out of players and development. He said that's one thing that he saw really early on with Taylor Jenkins, and we've seen that with this team. I mean, was you talking about Dillard and the strides that he's made? You talk about Kyle Anderson and the strides that he's made. We've really seen this coaching staff have that ability to get guys in and work on certain parts of their game and, and improve. So development is definitely if you if you're talking about development, I don't have any worries about this coaching staff coming in, a guy coming in and they've been able to develop him. And Kai Jones is like you said, extremely raw. Uh, young hasn't been playing the game for a long time, but you just see some of the, the, the skills there. And I think on both ends of the floor that he could be a tremendous player. And again, they need a guy because I mean JV just he's I mean you can't it's not much you can do at this is this point. I mean he pretty much is what he is defensively. So they need a guy that could again rotate and play play that pick and roll and from weak side, strong side, getting out to guard the perimeter to get back into the paint. I mean, I think Kai Jones could be elite uh, defensively in the pick and roll. And having that potential there, again, is something I love. Now, I don't know, again, if the Grizzlies are looking at bigs. We haven't really heard them uh, interview or talk to any bigs. But, and I said this on Twitter the other day, teams draft guys all the time that they haven't talked to. So mm-hmm. don't always look at that and say, oh, well, they didn't work this guy out. That means they don't like him. You just never know what's going to happen on draft night. They might not think Kai Jones – would beat her at 17 if they're 17. So they think, oh, well, we're not going to bring this guy in. But if he would slip to 17, he could be a guy they really love and just didn't work out, and they could take him yeah. there. So you just that, just never know. Yeah, could, could have seen plenty on film to to know that. Hey, oh, yeah, they know the all these guys no matter a, what. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they do tons and tons of research. So that that is something I don't put a lot of weight into that. I like, you know, I like hearing whenever the Grizzlies are working out certain guys and stuff like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, could be just them throwing up, you know, the the smoke and mirror show for other teams so they yeah. don't really know who they're targeting. Sure. And and that that may be the case with my third player that that I like at 17 for the Grizzlies. It's uh, Josh Christopher, 6-5 guard out of uh, Arizona State. I say 6-5 I find different measurements for him, like between six three and six five. So I, I don't really, I know that that's kind of a, a pretty big range there. But you know, he does have a six nine wingspan, so that's a plus. But we we, we talked about Grizzlies needing shooting, thirty point five percent from three on four attempts is not great. But the the reason that I like him so much is his ability to create space for himself. Shooting the ball is great. Shooting is fantastic. But the one thing that the Grizzlies are one thing, not the one thing, one thing that the Grizzlies lacked is players that are able to create their own shot. They have John Moran and Dylan Brooks. And right now, that's all that you can say for sure that that are capable of creating their own shot. And Josh Christopher would be a guy coming in, I think, immediately that could, you know, maybe later on move into a starting role, but he could come off of your bench and be that guy that goes out there and gets his own shot, kind of the the Lou Williams-type player. Um, I, I like his athleticism. He's really explosive, plays above the rim, just a highlight waiting to happen. Um, you know, 68% from the field in transition, uses his body well. He's got a great layup package, uh, uses he, his length to – do well on the defensive end. He averaged 1.5 steals per game. He can he can rebound pretty well. His, his handle's fantastic. There's a lot of great things that Christopher brings to the table. Um, and, you know, again, he's another guy that's kind of anywhere from, like, 20 to 28 on boards. But if they like him, and he is a guy that they worked out, he has a relationship with John Morant. He is uh, a godson for um, – Yeah, it's a- 
Grizz executive yeah, Tayshawn Prince. So, you know, there, there are connections there already. Um, and maybe this is a guy that they're looking at. I would not have an issue with it. Again, you know, he's third on my list, but any of these guys that we've talked about, the, these five guys that we've mentioned, I'm fine with any of them at 17 if that's where the Grizzlies stay. But, you know, after what we're hearing today, the Grizzlies may not be picking at 17 at all. So, you know, we'll see. That's my favorite part about the offseason, man, is just the unknown. You never know what's going to happen until it just goes down. So we'll see. Yeah, man, the finals were great. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, but, man, I was ready to, to get that thing done, man, and get to the offseason, uh, get to the draft. Because, I mean, this is, again, man, I, I love the season. Don't get me wrong and, and all that, man. But I love the offseason as well, man. I, hope springs eternal. Um, the Grizzlies are a, a young building team. It's a really exciting time for them and their development. So to to have this draft coming up and be in a position they are is fun. And uh, Josh, Josh Christian would have been fourth on my list. So we're kind of on the same wavelength there with, with the kind of the players that we like. Um, and who knows, even if they make that move, uh, and, and get the Ted picked. I kind of talked about that. They could that could open them up to do some other things. Maybe you pack his Tyus and Grayson and, and and try to get in, in the fifty one and try to get back into the first round. So maybe you get a guy at ten and then come back late twenties pick up Josh Christopher because I know that that seems like a guy that they really like. And a lot of things that you said, man. I think prototypical NBA shooting guard. I mean, it's like six five. He's he's a bigger guy, two fifteen. So he's not. Not slight. Uh, brings brings a, brings a little bit of size there. Really can create his own shot. Um, uses his size and strength well, man. Can get into the lane and finish, like you said, extensive layup package. He can score from all three levels. Uh, really good at at the pull up jump shot. Um, can create space. Uh, knock down the mid range, like three level score. And man, athletic can really get off the deck. Uh, see some of the dunks that he had. So he's exciting there. I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to take time. I'm a guy that you probably send down to South Haven and. Do some grooming, and if you get if you get that tenth pick and take a guy there, that gives you even more opportunity to take another guy that you can can send down and develop down there. Uh, so kind of kill two birds with one stone. You get your 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 rookie that you think could step in and get minutes for you immediately, and you get another developmental guy. I think that would be a a, a fantastic draft if they were able to pull some pull something off like that. Yeah, you know we're talking about the, the trades and stuff. I want to talk about one more guy, but before we get out of here. And then we'll come back. We'll talk more about the the second round guys on a later episode. We're we're pushing an hour here, so I, I don't want to run too long. But we were planning on talking about second round guys. We'll we'll come back with another episode before the draft and and talk about our, our favorites for the second round. But a guy that you guys have heard me mention multiple times, Joel Ai, um, and, and I want to talk about him here. And not that the Grizzlies are going to target him at seventeen, because I don't think that will be the case. But with all of the the moving parts that we have right now with the talks of 10 and then maybe packaging different players to move, you know, move up from 51. I think AI fits what the Grizzlies target. And I'm going to tell you why Sean Coleman, um, he's a part of Grizzly bear blues. He tweeted out and he talked about two stats. The Grizzlies tend to focus on or It appears that they tend to focus on whenever it comes to drafting players. And that's the true shooting percentage and the effective field goal percentage. Desmond Bain, TCU, he was 61.1% for his uh, true shooting and 589 for his effective field goal. Brandon Clark was 64.3 and 64.2. Joel A.I. last season at Gonzaga, 66.5 true, true shooting percentage 
and 64.7% effective field goal percentage. So all of those, wow. like those numbers, I, I, t- I talk about him and I talk about being so high on him and, and he's, he's different places on the boards. I've seen him as high as about 24 and then as low as like 35. So th- there's a wide range on him, but he has, he has two things that I really, really like. And I think he has two things that are elite. He's a great rebounder for the position. And when, when you talk about good rebounding guards, there's two guys that come to mind that are effective NBA role players. Do I think AI is going to come in and be a superstar in the league? He's got a lot of work to do to get to that level. I, I don't think that it's impossible. I don't think it's probable. But I think that he will be in the league for a long time because he can play without the ball and he can rebound at an elite level for, for a guard. Josh Hart is a guy for, for the Pelicans that he's one of the best p- positional rebounders in the league. And then I've got to pull this other guy up. He, You may know him off the top of your head, Isaac, and I had it, but I'm, I'm forgetting his name. He uh, He's a backup guard for the Nets. Um, backup for the Nets. Got it. And I know who you're talking about. I, I just came, but I can't. It's not coming to me. Um, yeah. That's it. It was right. Well, one thing about Ayayi, just like to, to your point, it's kind of similar to what I said about Trey Murphy for, for kind of a different reason. That Gonzaga team was so loaded. I mean, you had mm-hmm. Kispert averaging high. You had uh, Suggs averaging a lot of points. I mean, you had a lot of guys averaging double figures on that team. And I think with him, you kind of have to delve into those numbers a little deeper. And, and those two numbers that you, you threw out are staggering. I mean, those – with a guy that, that was in a team that's loaded like that, that didn't get the shots that you would expect a, a first-round guy to get, looking at those those percentages, I think that really shows what this guy is capable of. I mean, And I think you can't look at the points per game averages. You have to dig dip deeper into their offensive numbers. And I think yeah, that's kind of one of the things that holds him back. Probably if he had went to another school, similar to what I said about Trey Murphy, I think his numbers probably would have stood out a little bit more than what he ended up averaging. So that's kind of a – point i wanted to make about that yeah he's a bruce brown is the guy that i was thinking yeah, of for, brown, for yeah. the nets yeah but you know ai has shown that he can run the pick and roll he's a good decision maker he he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that's running the offense but he's not a bad secondary decision maker he would you know 41 percent on jump shots 40 percent catch and shoot situations um he finished at 70 percent and when he was when he was the initiator in the pick and roll, he finished at 70% at the rim. So th- there's a lot of things in his game that I think are going to translate at the NBA level. And again, he, he's a guy I don't, I would love for them to take him at 17, but I just really like, I don't think that's going to happen, right? Just because of where he's at, the talks around him, they could trade back, <laughs> excuse me, they could trade back and get him later. So, you know, like they're probably not taking him at 17, but I I will guarantee you that he has a long, successful career in the NBA because he can play without the ball and he can rebound. You do those two things at a high level, you're going to stick around in the league. And and I think that he he has all the tools to do that. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that that at all. Like, again, I don't agree with you. I don't think they take him at 17, but – who knows what's going to happen, man? You never know what's going to happen again. They could move up to that 10th pick and you bring in Bledsoe. That kind of opens things up for you to possibly move 
Tyus or, or Grayson or package those guys with 51 and come back in and take a Josh Chris for a Yai or another guy, you kind of like in that range. And that's why this draft is so intriguing. I think the Grizzlies could do a lot of different things here. That's not even the only moves they could make. I mean, there's talk that Houston is shopping at 23rd and 24th pick. Maybe if you don't move, make the move to 10, you drop down with 17 and get and pick up those two picks and take a couple guys there. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that could happen here. And I'm excited, man. We're only four days out, man. It seems like we've been talking about this draft for for five years, man. And we're all we're almost here. So I'm I'm excited. And again, I mean, I think the, the rumors that are, that are coming out makes this thing even even more intriguing. So I can't wait for Thursday night. Yeah. Yep. Same, man. And, and that's you know, it's just kind of going to everything that we're we've been talking about, all the possible trades. You know, we see we find out Thursday night. We say just few days away here and we will be back with more episodes between now and then and then Derek uh Derek Murray of basketball news has agreed to come back on after the draft so yeah, whichever really direction the, the Grizzlies decide to go we're gonna have Derek back on so he can give us a little more insight on, on what he thinks the the fit is gonna be and that person's role will be with the Grizzlies moving forward I I can't wait man I'm I'm excited for it and I've been excited for this draft ever since we started jumping into this class and just getting to know some of these guys has, has made it, uh, made it even better for me. Yeah. I've, I've always been a draft junkie and broke down prospects, but I think this year, even more than more than any year, I've really delved into it. I mean, we've pretty much covered, like I probably say 90% of the guys that are probably going to get drafted. We've at least mentioned at least a little bit. I mean, we've done extensive, extensive coverage. So I stress for any, anyone to go back and listen to our podcast that, that are ready for this draft because we've talked about a lot of guys had great guests on me. All our guests have been great breaking down this draft. So uh, go back and listen to our podcast. You go over at Football Grizz uh, and, and look back where you have the links to all those podcasts there uh, with some some great stuff, some great guests. So again, check those out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals I S A A C underscore Rivals. And you can get David at D Will two one one one. Again, go over to at Football Grizz. Give us a follow. We really appreciate that. Dave, you have anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, man. We we, uh, we need to get these in. And, and, you know, sometimes I get wrapped up in the podcast and forget to talk about it. But we got great partners over here at Hootball. One that we, we haven't mentioned in a while, we still have our promo code with Manscaped. The lawnmower 4.0 is out right now. Manscaped engineers work on perfecting this technology. Best in the business. Lawnmower 4.0. Go over there. They've got more than just a lawnmower. They've got the uh, the nose and ear hair trimmer and all kinds of you know boxers. Just a number of different things for men's care over at manscaped.com. Go check them out. Use promo code HOOPBALL. It's going to get you 20% off of your order and free shipping. And we appreciate those guys partnering with us. We appreciate you guys listening. Other than that, I've got nothing, man. I'm ready for this draft. We'll be back later on in the week with some more shows. So we'll see you then. Yeah, man. We'll see if these rumors even get any fire there from, from the smoke if, as the week goes on. Uh, but yeah, man, we're coming back later this week uh, with, with more draft coverage. Until next time, man, we're going. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.